if I'm speaking to a young university graduate, and it's something that we work in our in our program, and something that I highly recommend, is looking at all the areas of your life and doing all the things that you said. Okay, and one great example I love to give is is the whole alarm clock. So your alarm clock it goes off. What do you do? A whole group of people hit the snooze alarm. So what that says to me is the first commitment I've made in the day, I'm not going to do it. I'm literally going to be out of, out of out of integrity the first moment I wake up. Instead of, I wake up, I get up, I and I and I get on with the commitments of the day that I've made. Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst, now exploring human performance through podcasting, coaching, jujitsu, and endurance athletics. In this podcast, I'll be unraveling the stories of high performers across sports, business, and wellness. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is Chris Thompson. Chris is the co-owner and head coach of the Student Works Management Program, an entrepreneur training program for university students across Eastern Canada that helps them develop the necessary skills to become the leaders of tomorrow. The program allows these students the ability to start and run their own businesses for the summer, with some making over $100,000 of revenue their first year of business. Chris has been running this program for the past 30 plus years, which has helped grow over 160 millionaires and counting. Chris is also the host of the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast, a podcast that captures hundreds of their alumni stories and how they've been able to build upon the skills and values they discovered during the time of the program. In this interview, we get into Chris's time growing up in Canada, the lessons he learned as a competitive swimmer, the evolution of the student works business, and all of the different ways the program grows the Leaders of Tomorrow. And so, without further ado, my interview with Chris Thompson. Well, it's great. It's great to meet you too. And I appreciate you, you reaching out. I think when I was in college, I actually think someone from your organization might've reached out to me when wow. I was a student, um, a student works that, that name is sounded familiar. So it's funny. Yeah. Um, it kind of, kind of reconnected with the, with the program and the organization. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, our business actually created a bunch of, you know, I call them sort of sister companies throughout the United States that, that do very similar things to what we're, to to what we're doing. So, yeah. Okay. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Bentley university right outside of Boston. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So when, when were you in school? Um, from 2013 to 2017. Okay. Yeah. So it would have been a sister organization. Yeah. Bentley's a, yeah, yeah. They're, they're great, great, uh, small school, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Why don't we kick this off at the beginning here? Uh, where okay. did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay. Pretty much your whole life always been in Canada. Uh, yes. My whole life been in Canada and, uh, grew up in the center of the city. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess at, at 40, I moved, uh, two hours North of the city. We, we live on some acreage up here and it's kind of our cottage country. So four season living and we're down in the city sometimes up here sometimes. So we're really, really blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. Especially during this time too, when it's yes, not great to be in the city. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And so was, was business like on entrepreneurship, a big part of your family growing up? Like, was it table talk and, and so on? 
I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I considered my father an entrepreneur. He was actually a lawyer um, and that he put his shingle out when he got started out of law school. And then he be, ended up working for an, a senior, another senior attorney. And then he ended up going and joining and doing a bunch of work for a midsize firm and then offering partnership and then eventually becoming one of the, the managing partners of one of the Canada's largest law firms, president of the Canadian bar, president of the international bar, but really his roots were as an entrepreneur. So I never, I never really recall it being sort of table talk, but there were lots of legal conversations. um, And he was huge, a huge supporter of my sort of entrepreneurial leanings for sure. Right. Right. So, so your dad worked um, in law. Um, what did your mom do? My, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. We had five kids in eight years. So that was, oh, wow. that was <laughs> a, a bigger job than he had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, then later on got involved in the travel industry. Okay. And what, what number are you out of the five kids? I'm, I'm the middle child. I'm the third. I'm the third. An older oh, brother, older sister, younger brother, younger sister. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and how about for you? Like, would you say that you're, that you're like a natural born entrepreneur? Like we're the kid who was always starting lemonade stands or like had a journal of business ideas you'd be writing in. That's a, that's a neat question. Um, uh, for me, I, I wasn't one of those people who, you know, a, a new idea, a new idea, a new idea, that type of an entrepreneur. And so I've always kind of kind of judged entrepreneurs or sort of just in my mind, kind of, you know, the, the really special ones, the, the musks, the jobs, the, 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 you know, the gates that, you know, create entire new industries. And, and, and then people also who just create things from nothing. So I was never that guy, uh, but I've always been an entrepreneur. I ran a snow shoveling uh, business. I ran a gardening business and those were just I couldn't get a part-time job, uh, sorry, a normal part-time job because I was a competitive swimmer. So it was like, okay. I know my father said, you know, you know, we were problem solving or he was helping me problem solve. Well, I'd like to make some money. And, and it was like, sure. And, and, uh, and it was like, oh, what about this? Oh, that's a great idea. And then I just get into action. So for me, that's a, that's a big thing for me is, is uh, I'm an entrepreneur if, if, if you consider getting into action being a real key part of being an entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah, I see. And so you mentioned swimming. Was that like your, your main focus kind of growing up and into adolescence? Like you're just kind of focused on being a good, as good of a swimmer as you could. Like uh, one of the things that I, I look at in life is, is that there's a bunch of people, we try to track them into our program. They just have a big engine. They just, they just like for me, I just have a, I just, I just work like, and not always like working. Cause I work out a lot. I hike a lot. I just do stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in my car. I call people, you know, I just, I'm just, you know, and try to make a contribution. So, um, so for me, I found swimming at 10 and I swam right through to my final year in university. We won a national title. We won four provincial titles. So swimming was a huge part of, of, of who I was, what I put my time into. And I just loved, um, sort of competing at the highest level, like you know, I, you know, I lost to many world record holders. Uh, some of them were on my team, you know, like, and it was really great, sort of seeing what it was like to be just the best in the world at something, um, right? You know, and and then you know what what you learn from that, 
you know, and, and what, what it creates. Like I remember swimming with a, with one guy, his name's Sandy Goss, still a really great friend. Like at, at 15, he was just a really great, sorry, at 14, he was just a really great age grouper. And in six months, he grew seven or eight inches and he broke the world record. And then later on, he swam, you know, went, won, won two Olympic medals. And, but wow. it was just so fascinating. Every morning, be there. And then he's like swimming faster than us and more faster than us. And just, it was just incredible to see, you know, athletic performance or just performance at such a high level. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what, what were some of your like biggest, biggest like takeaways from being in such like a, or surrounded by such high performers and in, in that environment? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, for me, you know, the work is so important. Like, you just got to be willing to do the work and enjoy the work, right? Like, like, yeah, just, just like be there and do the grind and, and be excited about the grind. And then, and then a big part of it was coachability. Like, you know, the coach is going to come in and say, do this outrageous set that is going to create a lot of pain for you then and later <laughs> and just, okay, coach, you know, and just go do it. And then, and then another piece, you know, they talk about the, the five people you spend your most time with. Well, one of the things that always you see elite athletes is they're together. So, so, right. so again, I was, I was never the really, really elite athlete, but I was amongst that elite athlete. And so to a, to a certain extent, there's no question that we all create more together. Um, and so being there, and working really, really hard together and all showing up early and doing the work and not bailing out of sets, all that sort of stuff just makes such a difference to everybody. Um, and so, so those are things that definitely I've taken away into my, into my life, um, you know, into my, my career and the career success I've had. It's been, it's been you know, a big part of my success, uh, those, those you know, themes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so where do you end up going to college? I went to the University of Toronto. Okay. What was your major? What did you study? I, I, took, I took history. I, I thought that I, I, at the time, you, you, to take business, you really needed to be great at math. Like it was, it was more accounting business back then. Okay. Now, you know, you can go into a business degree and just kind of get by in math. Um, and, and, and sort of, uh, uh, it's, it's not everything like it was back then. So, so, so I, I took history with the idea that I would go do law school. That was, that was the plan. Um, and they didn't let me in, which was a, which was a blessing. It might've knocked me off track. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And was, was your interest in going into law? Was that like, do you think that was like, like, did you really truly have that interest or was that? like mainly um, due to a result of your, your dad being in the law and just kind of wanting to follow that path because. I think it's really difficult, especially when you're living with a huge, um, you know, person in your life. Um, and he was a huge personality, a huge um, uh, uh, mentor and guide, and he was massively successful in so many ways. And so, yes, it was difficult for me to, to sort of actually separate from that. And I know, I know after, I don't know how many years later, him sort of feel, telling me that, look, I, I really think you found what you should be doing. And, you know, I don't think law would have been as good for you. And I went, well, why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, my fear was then you would have made the choice based on what I said. And I go, great point, you know, because, <laughs> you know, he had, he had undue influence on me, nothing to do with him, by the way, it was all, everything to do with me. And I think for, mm -hmm. for many, 
many kids um, and, and, and sometimes more, more father son things like, like that relationship. I know with many of my friends, you know, the relationship with a father uh, and a son um, uh, is, is, is kind of really impactful. And uh, um, you know, he, he, in many ways, he is a fantastic communicator in terms of being an orator and a litigator, but not so much emotionally you know, mm -hmm. would share. So, so, uh, so yeah, so the, the, that, that's, that's sort of what I, what I saw. Uh, so yeah, he was a big influence. Interesting. Okay. And in what ways did you find your college experience valuable and did, did your college experience play a major role in you wanting to start student works? Yeah. So, so my college experience was massively valuable. I think one of the biggest things that college offers uh, people is the opportunity to continue to expand their network. And it's, and it just knowing more and more fantastic people, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I met some really great people at high school. I met way more people in, in, in university. And then because of what I got involved with, I met more people and it was really a pursuit of mine to find and meet, you know, and, and then also, you know, sort of uh, network and learn from them, other amazing people. So, so um, that was the biggest thing. And then the other thing is for me is I found the business I joined in university. So I was actually the 10th owner operator of this business when I was in university. So I didn't create student works. Okay. I found it. One of my, my first mentors other than my, my, my coaches and then my father was a guy by the name of Helmut Beeman. And, and I ran an orientation with his girlfriend, now his wife, uh, and, and they're great friends still. And uh, I... I became friends with him and then he basically had six operators in his business the year before. And then I went and joined him that next year. And we had a really, really tight relationship. He taught me loads. I know I, 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 I we, we, we were tight and that, you know, um, uh, we worked through a lot of things together and, and over the years continued to grow and grow and became partners. And then later on, I bought the business from him. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so on your, on your LinkedIn page, um, I noticed a three-year gap there's a, between... There's, there's a gap. If I was better at LinkedIn or technology, there wouldn't be that gap. So, <laughs> so, but what's, what's most accurate is I spent 1984 and 85 as an owner-operator running a summer business with student painters. Then it became student works painting. Um, okay. And then... I became a district manager. Then I came back and managed, and then I, 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 I was a, a, a full-time what we call district manager. And then uh, that next year, I got the opportunity to become a partner. So I spent, I spent eighty-four, eighty-five, eighty-six, eighty-seven. I spent five years. Need to be a partner. Okay. And so, what what inspired you to to join Student Works in the first place? Well, one of the things for me, I've always been, and, and, you know, any of the young people listening to your podcast, I've always been about learning and growth. And I, and I shouldn't say just young people, just period, you know, so um, I, I actually was making a whole lot of money running a gardening company. I had 50 clients. I, I go around. I wouldn't work that hard. Had a bunch of people working with me and I just made great money and I could fit it in and around my swimming career. And but I could tell it wasn't my future. I wasn't, I, I didn't know how to scale it. I really didn't understand scale. I wouldn't, I wouldn't what, what does that mean anyhow? But I knew I didn't know a bunch of things. So 
here is this person who, who was just running a $650,000 business and I was running, I don't know, way, way, way smaller business and, and showed me the opportunity to run, you know, five times bigger business that next year and then, uh, you, know, you know, continue to grow and develop. And the difference, again, between, you know, when I think I was in my second year and he was a, maybe a couple years out of school, it's massive in learning and develop development. Sure. So, 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 so to me, the biggest reason was I, it was this opportunity to grow and learn. And yes, there was an excitement of making more money, but, but that was, that was the biggest thing is I, I wanted, I wanted a mentor uh, who could really show me the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. And what was, what was the, the vision for, for the business back then? And, and how has that evolved or changed at all um, to today? Like my sense is is that it they weren't really clear. Um, so uh, one of the things I remember, you know, Helmet was looking at getting a computer land franchise, which which by the way would have been a really great thing. Looked to raise a bunch of money, and and Computer Land was a massive computer store that that did really really well. He tried to get the rights to Canada at the time, and he couldn't get them. Um, but to me, what it what it showed was for him mostly the opportunity was about an entrepreneurial venture, an opportunity to sort of, again, make a bunch of money, establish financial success, which are all things that we all want. And so one of the things for me was there wasn't the same very clear vision about this is what we're up to. We're about developing young leaders. We're about, about developing millionaires. And that wasn't something present in the organization in the same way that it became present when, when really, you know, over the years that, that's gotten clearer and clearer and better defined and more uh, clear about how we're creating it. Um, and and right. by the way, as well, if you're running a company th this coming year, it's going to be 40 years since it started, you should get a whole lot better. And if you don't, you won't be in business. <laughs> because you have <laughs> right. to keep getting better, right? Year yeah. over year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what was interest like in, or from other students um, back then? Like, was there like a lot of interest from students and from home, from homeowners? Well, well, from students, I guess, is the, is the, is the, the first question. So we actually, um, one of our former operators, is, his name's Chris Chapman, and he was the senior VP of KPMG right across Canada. So he run, ran their high-tech, high-growth business. And he describes the late 80s as, as, as like the, the dot-com boom before the dot-com. Like, that's what he felt. Like, it was just so frothy. It was, we had so many successful students coming our way to see this opportunity. There was, there was like a, uh, an energy in the marketplace. Uh, clients really loved the idea about doing, doing this as well and supporting students. And like anything in life, things become overhyped. Um, and, and so, um, one of the things is, is that our market actually, um, we were like, like we were disrupting the professional painting business. Okay. So we were disrupt the professional painting business did not market very well or really at all. They basically right. waited for the phone to ring. They were a group of largely, um, you know, didn't understand marketing, didn't understand sales. And, and so we basically took, let's go market, guerrilla marketing expectations and go out. And we, on top of it, we're charging way less than the marketplace. Now, 
if you know from business school, I didn't go to business school, but I know from many business books, you can't hold a price advantage in the marketplace. So what ended up happening was competitors started pricing more what we're pricing. And the, and the, and the competitive advantage went away over time. Um, one of the things as well is, is that there was just this real shininess, newness to our business. And, and um, you know, we, we, we sold, um, you know, our averages were, were monstrous, our success was monstrous. And um, there was actually Canada's 60 Minutes. Um, it's not 60 Minutes, but Canada's 60 Minutes did a, a kind of a, a, a hit piece on us and our major competitor, College Pro, which doesn't exist anymore as a painting company, a student painting company. And they basically um, went in and, and, and sort of attacked us as not doing good work. And, and they took a customer in Winnipeg, a customer in Oakville, and a customer in Ottawa, uh, three places in, in Ontario. And um, sorry, uh, you know, sort of, a, 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 you know, of different of, of their company and our company. And it was because one of our operators in, in, in Manitoba, their father was with CBC and it, he didn't like his experience with us. And it was a, just a really, really negative hit piece. It made us look and College Pro look shady. And all of a sudden from them, it just took the, 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 the shine off the business and it became more difficult. Now, again, still very successful, it was still winning, but, but that started to cause the business to be um, more difficult to run. Um, and then the, yeah. another big impact was we, we, they brought in a goods and services tax. Um, and, and, and so added more tax to our business. There, there was an overbuilding of the commercial real estate market and things got more difficult. And, and frankly, you know, one of the things they say, oh, is that good news or is it bad news? Well, you know, ultimately, probably those things actually influenced the opportunity for me to buy the business because there was a downturn in the business and I got the opportunity to buy the business. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so how, how long did it take after that, I guess, media event before things felt like they were back to, I guess, kind of normal well, operations? It's, it's kind of interesting because... Um, it wasn't like, I can't remember the specific year when it happened and there were other things. So, so it's, it's a lot of times you look back in hindsight and then you gain more facts. I remember, you know, talking to the CEO of college pro and saying, oh yeah, our calls definitely started really dropping and that next year was different. And so, so I, I think there were, there were changes in the marketplace and the, the tax impact. So, so really I think what, it, what happened was it settled in a couple of years. We went down that next year and down that next year, and then it just settled. And, and, you know, as an example, my business, probably we were up to like five to 6 million. And then we went down to like 2.8 million with just less operators. And we weren't doing quite the same averages. And, um, but the business was still driving a lot of value, was creating a lot of good things, but it wasn't, we were just in hyper growth. Things were just, you know, just creating enormous value. And we're growing, as I mentioned before, across the United States. And that later on, the, those, those created sister organizations because my former partner sold those businesses to those, to those local operators. Okay, got it. And so fast forward to today now, maybe just for the people listening, provide an overview of student works and kind of just how it stands today. 
Yeah, so we basically go on campus every fall and we look to recruit the best and brightest university students, people who want to work really, really hard to learn, um, you know, how to become a, a leader in the, in the world, okay? And, 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 and that happens by them uh, come January, February, March, and April during their, their, their academic years working to market, to sell, to recruit, to um, acquire clients so that when they come out of school in May, they've got a bunch of work that they're actually going to go run their business on so that they actually run their own local painting or local window cleaning business uh, during the summer so that they do that for four months and then they wrap it all up and then we do it all over again. And so, we, so we're a business that really kind of prepares for eight months to operate for four months is, and, and it's kind of a, um, and it fits in around the academic schedule. Um, and uh, a, as we've gone further and further, we've implemented more and more training, um, you know, online training, in-class training, um, you know, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, learning events so that, you know, our, our operators can continue to do better and better. Got it. Okay. And so, like the, how long does the entire experience last for the student? Would it be from like January, January the start of their September. second semester? Yes, to the end January to the start and, and complete in September. So yeah, they really aren't participating except one new thing that we're doing now, Chase, is actually our, our veteran operators, we actually have weekly meetings with them year round. And what are we working on? We're working on them you know, taking steps in their business to recruit really good people for next year, to go and um, work on their integrity and work on things that maybe they've, they've got to uh, improve their habits so that they can be more successful in their business come that next year. We have, call, okay. we, and we, then we'll also have regular conference calls. Like tonight, we have a conference call. We'll probably be 85 people on the line learning and, and, and sharing best practices. Wow. Okay. And um, when you say veteran operators, um, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Basically, what we mean is once an operator has run their first business, they, they what we refer to those as rookies, and then anybody who's run that, they then then are veterans. They're in their second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth year. We I don't think we've ever had anyone in the business beyond six years running a business, uh, because again, the vast vast majority of them are in school. So so you know by right. then they'd be wrapped up their school and mo moving on. Oh, interesting. I, I didn't realize that um, students have continued um, so many like years next summers. Yeah, like several yes. years. Continue the business. And that's, yeah, that's a huge part for our success is is that, you know, this year we have 110 returning operators who 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 used to operate plus the team of of, you know, 15 district managers. So we have a huge, huge group of of people who are going to go support the rookie operators who come onto our business. Okay. Interesting. And so the two types of service businesses that these students can run are the painting and window cleaning? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's, so it's residential, really maintenance, painting, residential maintenance, window cleaning or house cleaning or eaves trough cleaning. You know, we do do some commercial work, but largely we're really, it, it's not really a fit as much of a fit. Sometimes there are unique opportunities that we can go take advantage of, but more, more, most of our focus is on residential space. Okay. And what was the idea behind those 
two being the two service businesses? Like, do you have experience running um, like either of those types so, of businesses? So, so the, the, the painting business was, was, was really, um, that's what I was, I was brought to by my, by my friend. Uh, and that's, mm -hmm. that was the business that I learned. Um, the window cleaning business, what ended up happening was we actually started a window cleaning business about 15 years ago. And we recognized that we actually started it too soon. And the reason is, is that we have a window cleaning business because we can't, we consistently fill some markets year over year, and we can't put more painting operators in those territories. There's areas in Toronto and London and Montreal and Ottawa where, where we're just going to be full in Kingston because those are where the main universities are. Okay. So we want to provide more learning opportunities for our leaders. So here is a, here's a, here's an ideal business. So the window cleaning business actually was run by a number of our other competitors. We saw that it was successful. We saw that that model could work as well. Like there are only so many businesses that students can do consistently. The risks are small. You know, you can't do a roofing business. You can't do a home construction business. You can't do a, <laughs> sure. a let's go, let's go make cell phones and compete against Apple. Right. Like there's all sorts of sure. things you can see that just doesn't make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's, it's, it's finding businesses that you can actually build up, take apart. The customers are going to get, Oh, you're back in school. Okay. You can't reach us. Oh, okay. Or we can, we will call them back, but we, you can't service us and that's okay. Right. Oh, okay. Interesting. And for, I guess these, these rookies, I know that like they have to hire a team of people, obviously yes. help them hope work with them. Uh, are they using your organization's resources to, to then to hire, to hire that team? Um, yes, and 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 their own resources. So first of all, we're we're a really large brand, um, and so that we attract a lot of attention on on sites and 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 uh, to to attract attract people. We also return some some of our some of our workers from previous years, and then we also uh, teach them about how to attract attract people. And then we have a real system about actually how to recruit people effectively to come join their teams. Okay, got it. And how do you go about screening the students that you want to um, attract into your program and ultimately accept into the program? That's one of the most important parts of really what we've done and, and really our business has gone from, you know, when I, when I purchased it and first ran at 2.8 million and this coming season we'll, we'll likely do around $18 million worth of business. And so if you really point to, you know, the overwhelming thing is we're just attracting more and also better people. Okay. And, and so, so, you know, how are we doing that? Well, one of the things is really getting off the fact that um, it really comes down to the people, you know, and, and, and really, you know, sort of getting really, you know, clear about it's, it's about attracting amazing people who want to, to go do the work, who are willing to do all the work that we talked about earlier. Okay. Right. Um, and so then some of the th things that we do is we're, we're better and better. There's all sorts of books about, you know, really looking at experience and what have you done in the past that actually will 
let me make the judgment and the investment that you have, you can do this. So that's actually what the best recruiters are doing. Top grading. Uh, there's a great book called top grading, you know, so, so we're doing that with our, our candidates is, is understanding what past success that they had. That's going to indicate future success with us. We also use a model called predictive success, which is, which is a personality based program to sort of, again, allow us to determine where people will flourish, where people will struggle. Um, and then a big part of it is really challenging people with this is what actually is going to happen. Are you really willing to do it? Um, and one of the things in our program is there's no, there's, they can't win. It's not like they're being hired here. They're being chosen to work with us and they actually pay us so that they can lose, we can lose. So it's, it's really mm -hmm. working with them to sort of work through that and say, do I want to really, even for them, they're, they're investing money and time, especially time, you know, they're investing gas money to drive around and, right. and, and, and other things, but mostly it's their time. Do they want to, so that they can win in their, in running their own business. So, so those are the, those are the methods. Um, um, another big method we have is, is a, big chunk of our operators are returning. Number one, that's a big success thing. And then another big thing is we, we have an enormous group of our people who are referrals. So that's a really big advantage because imagine Chase, right. said you run a business and then your friend had seen you, what you'd done every day and how hard you were working and seen it and said, I want to do that. Right. And that's what we're looking for is those people go, you know, because one thing is, is that you know, if you want to be really successful in life, I think you, you need to recognize, well, I want to, I'm going to work 25% harder than most people. And then as a result, I'm going to get this payoff, but it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a commitment to go do that. And do I think the payoff's worth it? Because, you know, we're lucky enough to live in these two great countries that, that, that we're in, right? And so, already life's pretty good. You know, you graduate from, from a, a good university in Canada, the US, your, your life's pretty, is gonna be pretty okay. And it's a question of how, how good you want it. And we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to attract those people who really, really want to, um, you know, be, you know, again, kind of more in the top 5%, 10%, and they're willing to work to get that. Yeah, yeah. And do these student operators, do they get to interact with um, other student operators too during this whole, I guess, journey? Well, pre, certainly pre-COVID, it was much easier. Now, right. you know, social distanced events and lots of Zoom calls and things like that. But that's an enormous part of the success of our business is we take these incredibly com competitive, motivated, hardworking people, and there's a, a cooperation and a competitiveness and a synergy. So Chase, you're running this area of Boston. I've got another person in another area of Boston or another area of Massachusetts or Rhode Island. And, and I'm trying to teach you how to beat me. <laughs> and you're trying to teach me how to beat you. Like we're sharing best practices together. And then we have a, we have a CRM that's mobile. So I can look on my, my, my list every day and see that I'm ranked number 33 or number four. And I can see, oh, wow, I just had a great day. And now I've jumped up. Okay. And, and so, so, you know, because we're, we're largely recruiting very, very competitive people, they're right. really motivated by that. Now there's some people who aren't as competitive and we say, then just don't go on that page. It's okay. You're doing it for more intrinsic results. That's okay. Right. So, so it's not like 
somebody has to be that way, but we know that that's the type of person we're attracting into our program. And it's a big reason for the success of the program. Right. Right. And how have, or how do you students' grades, um, be, are, how are they impacted as a result of joining the program and it kind of adding on that additional, additional work? Well, that's a great question. I know for me, my first year of school, when I got coaching from a, a career counselor and bless her heart, uh, to um, take less courses because I was swimming and, and, and an elite swimmer, take less courses, that was my worst year of school. So I'm a big believer that, um, you know, when people have a big why to go accomplish their goals, they're more likely to do it well. And we help people set up, an, you know, a, a program. This is when you're going to study. This is when, it was, sorry, they're going to set up the program up for them, but we're going to coach them how to do that to go and achieve what they want to achieve. So um, I know my, my, my we, there's so many stories of people whose grades got better. Now, are there stories of people whose grades got worse? Yeah. Okay. And, and I would say there's more of, of, of stories who, who grades got better. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's also, well, if we can't do this and you say you want to be an executive VP of a major firm, how's that going to happen? Like, and we all know the reason somebody isn't getting good marks is because they're going out too much. They're, you know, not focusing on their studies. They're not putting in their school first. So, so, so our, our program definitely puts their, their studies first and their focus on their studies first because, you know, that is the most important thing. This, this program doesn't work like as a standalone program. This, work, this program works around a really strong university or college, college program. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm sure like if you do have some, some drive, some, some motivation that adding, it kind of forces you to become better at prioritization. Um, yeah. And therefore your well, grades will go up as a result. I also love, Hey, I can be reasonable or I can be accountable. I can create all sorts of reasons that I'm not going to get good marks or I can be accountable. And that means putting plans in place, going and turning off the game or the YouTube or whatever it is and focusing on my work so that I can have a big life. You know, and is that hard? Yeah, it's hard, you know, but that's, that's what success is. It's, it's, it's doing the hard work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And on your website, it mentions that you've been able to grow 161 plus millionaires with your system, um, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. What are, Thank what you. are some of the key, what do, you, what do you think are some of the key skills that students learn that provide them maybe with like the foundation to build this wealth and perhaps also like be able to manage it? So, so I, I think, I think the big, the big thing is, is that, is that, you know, the, the, the real wealth that anybody really builds is outside of our program, because largely we're dealing with university students, although sometimes they're buying their first home coming out of our program, but mostly a real estate property, but mostly it's, it's, it's built, of course, outside of the program. It's, it's, it's tracking successful people. And to me, the things that they're learning, number one are habits. So, you know, habits become you know, are so powerful in life. They, they sustain us, you know, you know, someone who's, who's a 
habitually doing the hard work, habitually, again, going to the gym, eating the right foods, you know, doing the work, putting, putting, putting their, what they're accountable to and what they're committed to above what's reasonable and they don't feel like it. Well, feelings don't matter. I, I wrote this down. I put my word to it. I'm going to go do it. Another big piece is, is mindsets. Is just what mindsets does someone have? To me, you know, we talked about it earlier, a growth mindset. You know, right. having a mindset of, of getting better every day, looking to get better. Um, having a mindset that, that failure is just, is just part of the process. We're going to we're gonna fail. We're going to, you know, bounce our knee, bounce, you know, hit our head, and that's okay. We're going to fail forward, get up, fail forward again, get up, fail forward again. <laughs> and and that that's part of the process of anybody who's, who's successful in any field. Um, it, it looks glamorous when someone gets the gold medal or someone gets written up on the, on the front of the you know, business magazine or posted someplace, but it's not glamorous. The work's never glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so it's when someone gets that, and then, and then certainly as well, you know, we teach them skills, um, uh, but those are, a lot of those are, are, are well are wrapped around in tenacity and things. So, so you know, I, one of the things I always love to, to look at is, you know, you look at sport, can you really become a great, I know, basketball player by watching a great coach, by watching the game, by reading the books? Of course not. I have to get on the court. And so here it's the same thing. How could I become a great leader without leading? How can I become right. great at influencing yeah. people without influencing people? And I'm going to go try to lead. I'm going to go try to influence people. It's not going to work. So I get to my coach and my coach says, well, what did you say? I said that. Oh, okay. Well, do you want to hear about something another way that it might work? Oh, I can see why that works better, you know, <laughs> and then they go out and try it again. And, you know, and, and we find out through experience, oh, I was, I was to this or to that or, or ineffective in this way or that way. And then all of a sudden it's like that person I was, I no longer am. I'm just a totally different person because of these experiences I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you mentioned something um, in reaching out to me that your program that I find really interesting, and, and that is that your program has been referred to as the new business school of the 21st century. What are some of the maybe problems that you see with going to traditional business schools and how does student works perhaps solve those problems? Yeah, so, so one of the big things for me is, is, that, is that I would not say, you know, can that, that there's problems associated with business schools, there's opportunities. So, you know, again, I speak about the, you know, I know the Canadian business schools here, they're reasonably well-priced, um, you know, so not an enormous amount of debt for, and, the, and value matches the, 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 uh, the, the cost in my mind. And really they're getting a tremendous education from really, really smart people and a great environment of really amazing other leaders. My feeling is, is there's an opportunity and they, by the way, they're trying to work on it. Lots of group projects, lots of learning together, lots of right. internship programs that they're trying to meet, meet out. But our program, there's no question our program is next level in terms of, of um, just taking responsibility, uh, having the real growth, having the real um, I am running the machine. I am, I am running my own business. You know, one thing I always love to say is imagine, you know, Home Depot or Walmart one year, uh, an executive VP saying at the board meeting, hey, I'm just thinking, let's put students in charge of the stores right across North America next year. 
You know, what, what, what do you think people say? What are you talking about? Like, that's impossible because we run 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. It just, it just doesn't work. So this model allows people to really take responsibility. Why won't a bank let a second or third year university student have real responsibility? Because it would be crazy to. Why would you, if you were running the bank, allow that, right? So, so but in our, in our program, we can allow them to have fantastic responsibility and really own that $4,000 or $10,000 or $400 contract um, and create real value with the client. You know, but, but you can't in a, normal, in a normal business. We're not a normal business. And so it really, really offers us a real opportunity to really separate ourselves and most importantly, have the young leaders in our program really separate themselves out. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so what's your ultimate vision for StudentWorks? See, my ultimate vision for StudentWorks is just more of it. Like just, just like, you know, we, we want to continue to, to grow and develop exceptional leaders. Like I really believe like we're right now, the number is 177 millionaires that we've identified. I know there's more because, you know, it's really tough to keep in track of a whole bunch of people who aren't sure. on social media, who aren't connected. So, so like, I believe that my big hairy audacious goal will get done, that we'll create a thousand millionaires that, but, but even then it's not like we close up shop. No, the, the, you know, and, and really aren't all great things. You're just in pursuit of like being a really good person. You, you shouldn't, we just always be pursuing that being a good son you know, being a good father, being a good daughter, being a good mom, you know, uh, being a good citizen, community member, shouldn't we always be pursuing that? So, so for us, you know, we have, we have chosen our spot. Um, we, uh, you know, again, uh, certainly in the, in the model that we will be in, we won't be like, we're about student leadership. And, 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 you know, one of the reasons I know is because really for a number of times I've, I've, I've gone outside of that space. It's been, painful. It's, it's been, no, this is the spot we most know and most love, and there's loads of energy for us to do it. Got it. Okay. And so how has COVID-19, this pandemic impacted the program and how have you had to pivot the, the business yeah. in order to adjust? It's, it, it's really fascinating. So, so, you know, where we were across the two major provinces we, we were in was we were locked down and there was really no apparent um, would we be let out. Like there was, and, and, the, and the messaging was really, really unclear. I'm not sure where it was for you in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. but, but um, so there was real fear, would we get started? And so just keeping our operators believing that we would have a summer was an enormous part of what we, what, what we were up to initially was, um, you know, we, we canvas a lot for our work. So we started to identify that clients started getting frightened of us knocking on their doors. Um, and, and so once mm. that was really clear that that was happening, people thought that we were going to kill them. Um, we stopped doing that. And, and that was something that was, so we, we started pivoting to calling past clients and finding numbers that we could call. We, we started pivoting to online estimates. Um, our, we know our competitors across North America, they had a lot of attrition 
a lot of people, you know, quit the program. In our, and then in Canada, there were these uh, CERB grants where people basically were given $2,000 a month to not work, uh, which, is, which I think was a good thing given what happened. But um, we had so few operators take that. Um, they decided, no, we're going we're to sit through this. We're going to get through this. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, middle of May, and sorry, so the six weeks largely it happened for us was like early April. I guess it was eight weeks because it was middle of May to middle of, uh, middle of March. And so eight weeks, those are our best weeks of the summer in sales. Um, so, so those, and, mm -hmm. and, but we went and did a half million dollars and then we basically did 850,000 for six weeks. We did a million dollars one week. We actually grew by $2 million over our best year. So we actually awesome. had what we call a COVID bump um, <laughs> now. Um, and, and one of the other things is that, is that when you ask the world, why is this happening to me? You get a result. When you ask the world, why is this happening for me? You get a different result. So it's like, why is this happening for us? What can we learn from this? What can we take away? How can we, what actions can we take? So we actually used to develop, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of work from Facebook. You know, we were well over a million dollars that we generated from Facebook. Now we have sites that we're really, really confident that will continue to generate way more business. We got really, really focused on, on, on doing great quality work in neighbors, neighborhoods, because um, it, wasn't, it wasn't really appropriate to just go canvassing anymore. So we were just in the neighborhood oh, we're just over here and waving at people and talking with people. And that really, really, again, um, I think made a huge difference in our business. Um, and uh, so those were just some of the things. Oh, sorry, Zoom. We became really great at Zoom meetings and, and we, we, we ran way more Zoom um, events. And then we had way more of our teams run Zoom events that, again, continued to share and, 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 and practice and learn and develop and stay together in this crazy COVID world too. So people didn't feel like they were on their own because everybody's face to face. There's a group of 15 people, you know, and let's, 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 let's meet. So, so those were things, and those are things that we're totally going to keep into the future. So those are things that, that will make our business more successful post COVID as we, you know, exit uh, this, uh, this COVID world, we all hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And uh, if you had to maybe like pin down like what or one or two things that you that you did during this, I guess, COVID pandemic to allow you to have like one of your or your best year, um, what were the what would those one or two things be? I think the biggest thing is is um, you know when things started shutting down, we just started communicating more. We got our senior team on the, on the thing, on, sorry, on, on Zoom. And we just, we, we meet with them and then we meet with them the next day. We meet and then we're unclear. What should we do? We talk about it. Um, candidly, there were times where I don't think we provided the best leadership. I remember I, I apologized on one, one call ago. Now I wasn't a good leader on Monday. So, hey, we're going to, you know, let's redo that. Let's do this now. Let's, you know, so, so, you know, taking, taking, um, uh, acknowledgement when, when we're off course or we've made an error, uh, but staying in action. Like, I think that's the big thing we did was we just kept believing that we were going to get on the other side of this. At one point we were wondering whether we were actually going to be able to paint or window clean this year. 
and and yeah. the, you know again the communication was so unclear uh so so we were doing backup plans about you know what we might do like you know versus what we were going to do so it was um but action is just a great thing just get in action what can you do one of the things as well uh we we did was we did a lot more training like we did a lot more role playing uh you know on online and and our district managers were just coaching our teams and and planning and okay instead of watching netflix let's do some role play you know instead of you know hanging out not studying let's mm -hmm. let's 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 work on your business in ways that may not be as effective um but we really engaged our team one great question that we asked is 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 chase in the future, we think one question that, you know, HR directors are going to be asking is, what were you doing in the summer of 2020? So have a good answer to that question. <laughs> and so, so that, that motivated yeah. people. And, and, and that was Joe Kim, one of our district manager's idea. So it was, you know, and then, and then it was just kind of like, okay, there's, a, there's another piece. There's another, another thing to, to excite and, and uh, and then, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of what we were doing was really quite exceptional. Um, and so then just, you know, you know, acknowledge people for that exception. Yeah, most of your friends aren't doing this. Most, most of your friends aren't working this hard. Most of your friends are doing something else. That's okay. Be exceptional. You know, yeah. and, that, and that really engaged our, our group of leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a brilliant question to ask, especially kind of looking back to what my, my mindset was during school. Yeah. If I was someone who was asked me that question and I was like during COVID, I would be like, yeah, you know, let's, let's get on this. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's yeah. get, yeah. Like, and it's, and it, and it, and it, like, um, one of the things we're really great at in our company is asking people great questions that really get the best part of themselves to show up. I want that part. Like we all have good parts and bad parts of ourselves, right? We got dark side. I want that. I want that light shining through. And so a big part of that is asking great questions that go, yeah, that stirs my soul. You know, again, that's kind of the part that gets you competing at a high level athletically. It also is the best part of you that gets you working hard in your business. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And then getting to these last handful of questions here. Sure. Let's say we meet again on the street in five years. Right. Um, what would you want to be telling me that you've accomplished or created since this conversation that could be related to the like, business or personal? Yeah. So, so, you know, well, personally, I, that, that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, dancing with my amazing partner uh, and I've got three amazing kids. So, so for sure. And that, that our relationship is tight and loving and caring. Um, um, and, but for our business, it's like, we're discovering more and more amazing stories of what our leaders are doing with the work that we're doing. Like it's, it's, it's just one story and then another story and another story. And, and it's, um, you know, uh, one of my, one of our great operators, he moved to alumni. He's, he's probably in his early forties. He got offered, you know, multiple seven figures to buy his business. And one of the coolest things was he reached out to me to go and, you know, talk through the pros and cons or what experience I might have to share on that, on that choice, which was really, really great. And those things really give me lots of motivation uh, to keep doing the work I do. That's great. What does your daily routine look like? Um, so I, 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 I meditate in the morning. So I, I turn on the coffee. I'm committed to making coffee for my wife. Uh, I also drink coffee, but, <laughs> but that's the big thing. That's my commitment, um, and partner. So, um, and then, um, I, 
I, I really just get to work is really the big thing. I, I work out daily. There'd be very few days where I, I wouldn't work out or, or do some type of physical activity. You know, I eat well, I, um, I read every day. Um, and then one, one big thing that I do is every night I acknowledge all the things I did. Like I acknowledge, I acknowledge myself. I think we as humans, a lot of times we'll find the things we're not doing. And that's good to do, by the way, those are things to do, but, but acknowledge your wins, acknowledge what you did, acknowledge again, your kindness. And then as well, I acknowledge and uh, look for things I'm grateful for. So that's actually how I go to bed every night is, is, is those things. So, so that's kind of the, the swing. There's not, I know a lot of people have real strict regimens. Uh, so for me, it's, and it's probably not all that, surprising given who I am, a little bit of ADD, um, <laughs> that, that there's not that much discipline, but there is a, enough discipline to say, these are my habits and these are things that really I'm doing on a consistent basis. Yeah. Interesting. And how, how long have you been doing the um, acknowledgements and like gratitude before bed? About three years. I, I used to, um, I used to just, it was something that I was pretty good at. Um, I, I did a program about 14 years ago with Landmark and, and, and they were really great about, you know, coaching around acknowledge, acknowledgements. Um, and, and again, maybe even previous then that was something I had, but, and, and I, I'd done a program with Dan Sullivan, the strategic, strategic coach that really focuses on, on gratitude. Uh, but I did a, a program with the Hoffman group, the Hoff, um, uh, Hoffman Institute about three years ago. And that really, really made a huge difference. Uh, just, consistently that habit, you know, and, and just when you go to sleep thinking gratitude and acknowledgement, it's really hard not to wake up in a good space. That's what I find. You know, of course you always can find yourself maybe going off, uh, uh, you know, down the wrong roads, the, the rabbit holes of our life, the bad thoughts that we might have, but, but it's, it's, it, I found it, they're way, way, way less likely to happen when I do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think on that too, especially for, I guess, high performers, high achievers, a lot of people may not tend to acknowledge their, I guess, successes or their achievements at all. <laughs> and it's like 100%. 40 years down the road, they're just like, they just keep on chugging along and just don't even acknowledge what they've accomplished. It's interesting. It yeah, and just because you're successful doesn't mean you're going to be happy. And so, you know, to me, again, being happy and satisfied is a huge part that I want in my life. Uh, so, so, and and again, it's that competitiveness. Some of the competitiveness we want, right? Because we want it driving us a, a forward to achieve our goals. And on the other hand, we also want the acknowledgement to say, "And I'm winning." Like, like it's it's I'm satisfied. And what's next? You know, I'm, you know, you know, sorry, I, um, I'm, 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 I think it's, I'm happy, but not satisfied. It's a Michael Dell quote. Um, mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it's like, okay, that's great. And I want more, you know, it's like, we're winning and I want more, you know, right. in a good way, just keep pushing ourselves outside that comfort zone, keep growing, keep learning, um, but also acknowledging our success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so as is the name of the podcast, the driving force podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? I'm a big believer that our, our literally the children, you know, we as children decide what we're going to do, you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, if you've done any work in therapy or different, you know, um, 
understanding who you are, you'll, you'll actually get back to decisions you made as a child. So for me, for whatever reason, I decided to be the golden haired child of our family and be really successful. And my mom, when uh, my father passed on um, and she basically, she got remarried to an amazing guy and uh, my, my sisters sort of, you know, Hey, you got to take all this stuff out of the house. You know, like there's too much stuff about, you know, dad, right. You know, and let's mm -hmm. give him some space to move into the condo, uh, which, which they did. And so that meant we got some stuff and I got this picture, this, this thing that I made, I don't know, grade one kindergarten. I want to be a rich man. Like who does that? Like, you know, like, like <laughs> who does that? I don't know. But, yeah. but so, so to a certain extent I was wired for success, um, you know, for, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's been partly, you know, now it's kind of turning the, or, or it's always been, you know, not, not having that eat me up, you know, having, having, you know, not having that drive, uh, eat me up. And I think a lot of top performers have that. And so, you know, I think as well, it's kind of worthwhile acknowledging, um, for everybody, you know, you know, they see people and they go, how is that person so driven? There might be an unhealthy part of why that drive occurs, right? Sure. Because everyone's got their own challenges. And so my challenges were, I was always going to be driven. Is it driven in the right direction? Am I not going to drive myself to be unhealthy? Uh, so, so that's kind of, uh, um, you know, what, what's been driving me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then lastly here, before we wrap up, what parting words of advice or wisdom around just kind of, I guess, just career advice would you like to leave the college student or recent grad listening? Yeah. So for me, um, it all comes down to integrity. So what I would love, what I do, you know, so this is really, I'm speaking, you know, for, from experience, from, from what I do is I work on my integrity, meaning everything I say I do. I'm going to do and do it on time. So I was, I was here, you know, two minutes to, you know, for our podcast. And so that makes it, that makes sense. That makes the world work. So mm -hmm. um, if I'm speaking to a young university graduate and it's something that we work in our, uh, in our program and something that I highly recommend is, is looking at all the areas of your life and doing all the things that you say. Okay. And one great example I love to give is, is the whole alarm clock. So your alarm clock, it goes off. What do you do? A whole group of people hit the snooze alarm. So what that says to me is the first commitment I've made in the day, I'm not going to do it. I'm literally going to be out of, out, of, out of integrity the first moment I wake up. Instead of I wake up, I get up. I, and, I, and I get on with the commitments of the day that I've made. You know, instead of I fall behind, I'm late for breakfast, I'm late to do this, I'm late to do this, I'm rushing through, I'm not prepared. You know, instead of, you know, hey, I'm, 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 I'm up in ahead of my alarm or I'm prepared and, and, and then I'm, I'm really, I'm really focused on everything that I do, I, that I say I'll do, I do. And of course, we can't always do that, of course, right? There's, there's, there's no, not, no, no possibility, but that's what, that's, that's the focus I would have any person. And then of course, young people, even more importantly, because then they can build a habit that is really going to separate themselves. You know, just think, Chase, you know, how many people do you know who do these four things? We call them the four referability habits. It's a Dan Sullivan strategic coach idea. Be on time, do what you say, finish what you start, say please and thank you. How many people do you know who do all those, those four, four things consistently? If you can do that, your life's going to rock. Your relationship's going to rock. 
you know, you're, you're going to have money in your bank account, you know, your career is going to do well because you can be dependent on. Awesome. That's a great place to end. <laughs> Chris, thanks again for coming on. This is great. Uh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Continued success. Yeah. yeah. Where can people go to find you online and learn more about StudentWorks? Um, so, so they can go to my LinkedIn account if they want to specifically uh, uh, jump, in, jump, jump to me, uh, um, studentworks.com. And we also have a studentworks.com slash podcast if they're interested in getting information about our program and some of the success habits that we have um, that are available there. Awesome. And you all can also visit my website, chaserosa.com, and follow me on Instagram at chaserosa4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks everyone who's listening and see you next time.